Father God, we just thank you that we can just um, pause for a moment um, as we just allow ourselves to be under the instruction of your word and by your spirit, the same one that breathed and inspired men of old to put into print your words for our instruction and for the encouragement in our faith. Father, we just pray that in and through all of this that um, we may be strengthened and encouraged and also equipped to do the work even that to which you've called us today. And so, Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our heart truly be found pleasing in your sight. For you are our redeemer, you are the rock, we are the one that we want to have as our foundation in life. And even, Lord, as we look forward to your coming, and we pray this all in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. This past uh, Monday evening, for those of you who are here, I considered with you a question. And the question was this, what impact are we as a denomination making in Australia, in our nation? What impact are our churches making in our local communities, in the places of our postal codes? I often think about that question uh, for myself as I think about the church that Jeannie and I attend and are part of, the Bray Park Community Church uh, in the northern, the northern uh, suburbs of Brisbane. You know, I know our church often asks ourselves that question, what influence are we having on the people who live in Bray Park, or maybe in the surrounding suburbs around us, like Kashmir and Warner? What impact are we making? And you think about your own church, and think about our own denomination. What impact are we making? What would people say? Now suppose this past week I um, went down to the coffee club at the Warner Plaza, the Warner Shopping Center, and went to the coffee club, and I went there not only to get my um, double shot skinny latte, that's in case any of you want to bring me a coffee in the morning, but I suppose I didn't just go there. I went there because I wanted to talk to people. You know, people who themselves were getting their early morning coffee and their fresh muffin for the day. And I, I would ask them one question, and I would ask them this question. What influence, you know that church across the road? What influence has that church made in your life, on your family, in this community? What impact? Or later on the day, I would stand outside Aldi in the same shopping center, and I would catch people after they had finished wandering through the middle aisles and came out with their bags of special buys. And, I would stop them as they went off to their car in the car lot, and I would say to them, what impact has BPCC, you know, Bray Park Community Church, what impact has that church made in your life? I mean, how do you, what do you think? I mean, how would the Christians of, uh, I mean, how would the people, um, you know, in that community, how would they respond to that question? How have the Christians of Bray Park Community Church impacted your life? Suppose I would talk to about 100 people, and at the end, how many of you would actually say that they have actually been impacted in a significant way by the church that I'm a part of? Would it be 100% of the people? 50%? 10%? 5%? What do you reckon? How many? Would there be anybody? Well, let's think a little bit bigger. 
Let's think about um, the country that we're part of, Australia. You know, here we have uh, 24.6 million people who live in our nation. What are we as churches doing to influence, you know, our nation, our country? You ever ask yourself that question? How does your church or how does the Christian Reformed denomination, what about all the other Christians in our nation, what are we doing to influence and make a difference in our country? The late Billy Graham called uh, the Reverend uh, John Stott, who also passed away a few years ago, the most respected clergyman in the world. And I, I kind of agree with Billy Graham on that. I mean, I have lots of John Stott's books in my library. Speaking to an audience in the United States some years back, John Stott said, and I quote, he says, you know what your own country is like. I'm a visitor. And I wouldn't presume to speak about America, but I know what the UK, what Great Britain is like. I know something about the growing dishonesty, the corruption, the immorality, the violence, the pornography, the diminishing respect for human life, the increase in abortion. Whose fault is it, asks John Stott. Let me put it like this, and he said it like this. He said, if the house is dark at night, there's no sense in blaming the house. I mean, that's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? And if meat goes bad, there's no sense in blaming the meat. I mean, that's what happens when bacteria are allowed to breed unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the salt? And Stott continues, he says, if society becomes corrupt like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and hum human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. The question John Stott says that we need to ask is, where is the church? So look at Australia, you know, over 24 million people. And how many of these people are today actively engaged in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, according to the McCrindle research here in Australia, the data tells us here in Australia, less than 4 million people would attend church on any regular basis. As you and I know, Christianity has moved to the margins of our society. Fewer and fewer of our neighbors are actively involved in the local church. I remember in one of my last uh, visits to one of our churches, I was in DY, and I just sort of had some time just beforehand, so I just walked around that community for a while, and I just noted the, the droves and droves and droves of people that were on the beach and heading toward the beach. And so few heading toward church. You know, add this to the growing global moral crisis that we have, you know, here in Australia, the question to ask is, where is the church? Where's our denomination? Where is your church? Now, that's a very important question to ask, and it's something that Jesus asks us to consider in his sermon. Murray yesterday said to us that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is a wonderful sermon that tells us what it really means to make and grow disciples. I'd like to focus on a few verses there in Matthew chapter 5. Listen to what Jesus says. 
He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot by men, to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A town, a city built on a hill is, cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and stick it under a bowl, but instead they put it on its stand and, and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give praise and glory to our Father who is in heaven. My friends, God has a plan for the world, and we're it. Matthew begins chapter 5 by telling us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. Jesus saw the crowds. What crowds? Well, the crowds of Matthew chapter 4. In those crowds of people, there were people who were sick with all kinds of illnesses, those suffering from severe pain, the demon-possessed the paralyzed, all kinds of people doing it really tough in life. <clears throat> Large crowds from all over the place, from the whole country. And even as Matthew tells us that there were also people from other countries, people that came from across the Jordan, crowds of them. And Jesus saw the crowds, and he told them the good news of the kingdom, and he brought healing to those who were doing it tough. And then Matthew tells us that Jesus' disciples came to him and then Jesus started to multiply pies. Jesus began to teach them. Yes, teach the disciples. Not the crowds, but the disciples. Because Jesus knew that if he was ever going to reach the crowds, he couldn't do it all on his own. He needed also his disciples to come along with him whether it was the 12 or the 72 or the 120 or the thousands to go out into the world and to make and grow disciples. Seeing the crowds, Jesus told Matthew and the others what his plan for the church was. Fast forward 2,000 years, Jesus also see the crowds, millions of them all across Australia, people doing it tough. Jesus see the, sees them, not only Australians, but he, he sees many migrants, many people who come from other countries, from across the oceans, thousands of them coming to our borders every year, crowds of them. Jesus sees the crowds, and then Jesus begins to teach those who follow him what his plan is to reach the crowds. And his plan is us. Seeing the crowds, hundreds, thousands, millions of people doing it tough, people longing for hope in the world where there is no hope, people hurting, families fractured, men and women, children who are lost, teenagers who are swirling around in a sea of uncertainty. Jesus sees the crowds and he tells us, you and me, his followers, I've got a plan to deal with these crowds of people doing it tough. And this is my plan. My plan is this, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. 
As Jesus sees the crowds of people doing it tough in life, he tells us what his plan is, and he says, you are my plan. You are the church. You are my plan. You are the salt and light. But why salt? What good is salt? What is Jesus saying? What does this have to do with the crowds of people who are really doing it tough? What does salt have to do with Jesus' plan? Well, Jesus' disciples, disciples knew a lot about salt. I mean, they lived close to the Dead Sea where there was a, a, an ample and ready supply of salt. Salt has always been an important and valuable commodity. In the ancient world, salt was used as money. That's how valuable it was. You probably heard it said that, you know, are you worth your salt? We all know how flat food tastes when salt is not added to it. I remember as a young child... I mean, we'd sit around the family table and, and we'd taste the food that mom had cooked and we would say, Mom, where's the salt? And out would come the salt shaker and our food would have its taste restored. There would be flavor to our diet. Salt is used as a preservative even today. Salt was used in the past to line ovens where bread was baked. I mean, salt cures meat. It heals wounds. It removes bitterness from wine. You all know the story in the Bible when Elisha came to that, that tepid water at the Jericho Spring and, and people couldn't drink the water, but after salt was added, the water became sweet. Salt softens our water and, and we in Canada where I grew up, we love salt because it kept our highways free from ice and snow in the winter. Do you know the one unique quality about salt is throughout ancient times, and even today, salt is considered to be the one thing that can never be changed. It was thought to be changeless. It makes a difference. You mix it with water, it becomes salty water. You put it in soup, it becomes salty soup. Add it to any other ingredient you wish to, and you find that salt does not change, but it changes everything that it's added to. Everything it comes in contact with, it changes. It makes a difference. Add salt to something, and you'll notice the difference. That's it. Salt makes a difference whenever it is added to anything. It changes whatever that might be. Water, meat, potatoes, clothing, wine, icy roads. Add salt, and you'll notice the difference. And Jesus sees the crowds of people, and he says to the church, you are to make a difference in the world. That's why you're here. People doing it tough and in need of some good news. In an age of fake news and bad news, you are salt. You are to go out and to make a difference in the lives of the crowds, all kinds of people in those crowds. But if you put the church into the mix, put Christ followers into the middle of the crowds, and you'll notice the difference that salt makes. It changes things. Things will never be the same again. You're salt. You're to be a difference maker in the world. Jesus sees the crowds, and he tells us his plan, and he says, you are the salt of Australia. But what if salt loses its, its saltiness? What if the church no longer makes a difference in the world? What if we as Christians shirk our calling to influence our suburbs and our cities and our country with the gospel? 
What if the Christian Reformed Church loses its saltiness? If it no longer has an effect on Australia, the crowds of people who are doing it really tough and need the gospel, what then? Well, if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. You can't make it salty again. Salt without saltiness is useless. And a church without an influence, without an impact in the world is good for nothing. The church that does not impact society has no worth. And that's not what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying in his sermon. He says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and to be trampled by men. The church without an influence in the world is no longer good for anything, says Jesus, except to be thrown out and to be trampled by society. And in many ways, this is exactly what is happening in so many places of our world today, especially in the Western world. And it's no longer different here in Australia. And it's no wonder. And that is why it's so important for us to keep asking ourselves the question, have we lost our saltiness? Have we lost our influence? Are we moving to a point where we're really not useful anymore to spread the impact throughout our country, says Jesus? They're tough words, I know. They're hard to accept, and I agree. But Jesus is not finished. He has a solution. As Jesus sees the crowds, as he looks across Australia, crowds of men, women, and children, millions of them, all kinds of people doing it really tough. They need a savior. They need the gospel. Jesus has a plan, and his plan is the church, and his plan is this. Let your light shine before men. You're the light of the world. Jesus' plan for the church, for our denomination, for all of our congregations together is to let our light shine before the men, the women, and the children of our society. And what do you do when you have a light? You stick it under a pillow? I used to do that as a, as a young kid. I was an avid reader. I still am. But back in the day, I would love to go through the Hardy Boys detective series, and I'm dating myself, I know, but I mean, I would love to read those books, and I would just devour them and just read them on and on and on into the wee hours of the morning. And whenever I would hear mom and dad come up the stairs at night, I would stick my flashlight and I would stick it under my pillow. I didn't want them to see that I had a light. But you know, a light flashlight under the pillow didn't help me read. As soon as they left, I would take that flashlight and I would stick it up on high and I would post it there and I would continue to read the Hardy Boy series. Notice what Jesus says. A city on a hill could not be hidden. Neither do men take a, a lamp and, and put it under a, a bowl. But instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. It makes sense, doesn't it? You put a lamp on a stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. And when the church lets its light shine, when you let your light shine before people, it gives light to everybody in the city, everybody in your suburb, in your neighborhood. Your light shines, and people sees it. 
sees the light. They, people see it and like a lamp on a, hole, on a pole, like a city on a hill. The church gives light to everybody. Salt and light. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 5. Be salt, be light. That's how you do it. What does it mean to let your light shine? Well, Jesus tells us. He applies it to us. What do people need to see? Jesus says people need to see your good deeds. You want to be a difference maker in our world? You want a church to have an irresistible influence in the suburbs where you live? You want our denomination to impact our society? Then be salt and let your light shine by doing good deeds among your circles of influence. Salt and light. What might that look like, very practically? If you shake the salt out of the salt shaker, what difference will it make? Put a, a light on its stand, what will people see? Well, they will see people who are so different. They will see people who are in stark contrast to the people in society. In the verses that are sandwiched between, you know, verses 1 where Jesus sees the crowds and where he tells us to be salt and light, Jesus gives us those most famous words we call the Beatitudes. And in those attitudes, Jesus just describes to us the kind of society that evolves and, and develops and, and results from people who have a relationship with Jesus. People who are so different. Men, women, and children who have humility and who have a deep grief over sin and sorrow. They're meek and lowly. They promote the cause of justice and mercy. They have purity and they promote peace. They stand up for what is good and right and true, even if it means that they'll have to do it tough in life. Yes, when a church is worth its salt and it shines its light, You'll see a different, different kind of society in contrast to so much of what you see in our world today. Jesus tells us later on in that very same sermon that the difference will be plain to see for a good tree will show good fruit. People see the church and they see good fruit. Matthew reminds us later in the gospel what this might look like very practically as Jesus described how these good deeds are evident in the life of this different society. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you looked after me. You came to visit me. I mean, that's just what followers of Jesus do. <laughs> they do good deeds. They bear good fruit. They allow that fruit to show. As salt, they make a difference in society, and the community is a brighter place because the church's light is held up high, giving light to everybody in the city. And you know, my friends, there's something so attractive about that kind of church. And as I go around many of our churches here in Australia, I see these things beginning to develop and grow within your churches. 
And there's something so attractive about that kind of church that is serious about being a difference maker in the world. People will see your good deeds and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. The lost will be found, disciples are made, and together we will grow up to be true followers of Jesus. And the harvest is brought home, a harvest of souls. In the words of the Apostle Paul, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. <clears throat> you know, in my work throughout our denomination, at times I come across pastors and church leaders and churches who have become weary in doing good. They're just tired because they try all kinds of things and it just doesn't seem to work. They've seen membership in decline and they wonder if anything good would ever come out of their church. And perhaps you wonder that yourself because you too, you know, as you go about just living and doing church together, you too have become weary in doing good. Well, I'd like to remind you, as I remind churches all across Australia, that making and growing disciples happens naturally, naturally, or organically, when we remain connected to Jesus. And maybe you took up the challenge that Richard gave us last night, of what it really looks like for us to be united in him, to be connected to Jesus. I mean, Matthew ends his gospel by reminding us, and we've heard that over and over again, but this very same Jesus who commissions us to make and grow disciples is the one who has all authority and is the one who will be with us to the very end of time. And I hope that you've taken that sandwich and, you know, these days you've feasted on that sandwich because you know that as you grow, make and grow disciples, you have one who is with you, and that one who is with you has all authority, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And how this same one who has all authority fills us with his Holy Spirit who gives us dynamic power and strength and fortitude and perseverance to, to go out to seek and to find the lost and disciple the found and multiply more disciples and plant new churches. So when we remain connected to Jesus, like a branch, we remain united to the vine. When we remain in him and when he remains in us, I love these words of Jesus, you will bear much fruit. And by all of this, our Father in heaven is glorified. My friends, Jesus saw the crowds, people who were doing it tough, all kinds of people, people who needed the gospel. And Jesus told us his plan to meet those needs. And that plan is us. We are his plan, the church. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. As Jesus sees the crowds, the lost, the hurting and dying in our nation, the question we need to ask is simply this question question I ask of myself and I just encourage us all to keep asking those questions as, as a denomination but also as individual churches. As we think about our own local context, we ask the question, where is the church? Where is the salt? 
Where is the light? Let the salt get out of the salt shaker, out of our churches and into our communities and into our nation. And may our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds as we do that, as we bear good fruit in our communities. For that's the kind of community that attracts and brings people into a relationship and they start to see a God who is a God of love and grace and goodness. And they, together with us, the lost, once they're found, together with us, they join us in giving praise and glory to God in heaven. Allow me to pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the way that you continue to encourage us by your word and spirit. And Father, I just pray that you would continue to help us here, especially in Australia, as we see so many people on the fringes, no longer part of your body, that, Lord, you would just help us to be connected to you. Help us, Lord, to remain in you and you remain in us and filled with your spirit, Lord. May we go out into our spheres of influence and to be salt and to be light, to be a difference maker wherever you have placed us. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the one who is with us and the one who has all authority. And we give you all the glory.